This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. Uh, we were scheduled to have Ryan Kerrigan. In fact, we talked to Ryan for about two minutes. Uh, the problem was the Wi-Fi monsters. They were they were rough, Logan. Monsters, monsters. That's the worst one we've had so far. I think from the Wi-Fi standpoint, that was that was real bad. Um, however, uh, the good news is I'm going to practice tomorrow, so I'm going to be in person. Ryan's nice. Ryan's at practice. You you live around the corner, so we're going to get together in person. A little in person podcastage tomorrow. So we will uh, we'll either put that out as a bonus episode this weekend, or we will hold that until Monday and put it out on Monday's pod. So either way, uh, at the absolute latest on Monday, you will hear from Ryan Kerrigan, uh, and that will be a good time, and uh, we'll get into it with him. Uh, we also are going to have Nikki Jobvilla next week from the Washington Post, who we're very excited to talk to. Uh, so for today, Logan, you and me, bro, two man two man game, we're we're running it. running stunts, we're running twists. Uh, or we're running two-man route concepts because let's be honest, you're a tight end, and I'm I'm probably more of an offensive makeup kind of guy. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So uh, where do you want to start, man? You want to start? Uh, let's start with the pads thing. Let's start with yeah. football pads being on. Yeah, I love football I, pads. Came on. Love it. What day was that? Two days ago. Yep. And it seemed like from Ron's comments that that he was pretty pleased with how that kind of even the playing field. He made some interesting comments about specifically. Yeah the way offensive line play gets affected by that, where, you know, a lot of it is like hand position and stuff like that. When you're not in pads and the defense is a little bit of an advantage, all of a sudden as an offensive player, you can strike. Uh, obviously, you know, this is someone who played a lot in line, even though you were tight end as discussed, not uh, an offensive lineman, but being in line, getting to strike as a blocker. How does that change the dynamic and how has it changed it specifically for the commanders these last couple of days of practice? Yeah, so I think the from a technical standpoint, not to get overly technical. It's a podcast. Let's get technical. To, Let's go. Yeah. You're coached to grab the pads, right? They're, you know, it kind of looks like a T on your upper body. You're, you're, you're coached to grab that chest plate or like the shoulder pad, like overhang, like right there. And basically what it allows you to do, it allows you to get some torque on the uh, defensive player, right? And allows you to hold, which is essentially kind of how you block in the NFL now. And I know people don't want to hear that necessarily, but it is a huge deal because it allows you to sustain blocks and allows you to kind of get some physical kind of oomph and roll your hips and create movement. And I will say over the, you know, what day is today? Today's Thursday, so the first two days of pads, 
the offensive line has has really come alive. You know, in pass protection and run blocking. Again, I think sustaining blocks, getting guys covered up, and it really shows you kind of like why it's important to have shoulder pads on for for some for some portions of the year because it allows you to kind of work on those technical aspects. And I also think it shows that the defense still needs to work on shedding blocks with the pads on. Right, it kind mm-hmm. of is a two edged sword. But I was really impressed two days ago they were able to make some some awesome holes I think um you know the young tight ends really stood out to me as guys that were maybe not the most technical blockers but very willing blockers and that was something that was a big question mark going into this period obviously the starting O-line did a great job you know Norwell a guy who really stood out with pads on also was Sadiq Charles playing right guard and I think that that's something that's kind of encouraging right because you know these guys converted tackle he's a tremendous athlete so it'd be nice to see him kind of come along and then you know speaking of pads in the one-on-ones he went up against Deron Payne and Deron has been quite frankly given him all that he can handle without the shoulder pads on but you put the pads on and you know you get a little bit more sticky you can grab you can kind of punch and then adjust your feet because you have a handle now so it does make a significant difference for all those guys who are uh, kind of in the trenches that have to deal kind of play the more physical side of the game and so that was really nice to see you know some of the protections just in general have gotten better and I think that's good guys can be a little bit more stout so a lot of those kind of protection concerns that we talked about on you know whatever that day that was Monday Tuesday uh, have quieted a little bit they're still there obviously because you have a guy like Montez Sweat or Payne or Allen who can kind of take over a period if they really want to but I'd say on the whole, protection looks much, much better. Offensive line looks much phys- much more physical. And it's also been good to check out the backs too as well, which we can talk about in a minute. Yeah, well, let's let's dive right in. Uh, how have those backs looked? And obviously the running game becomes a lot uh, more realistic. I don't want to say easier to evaluate because you're still looking at the same guys, looking at a lot of the same things, but it's a lot more realistic when the blocking uh, gets real uh, and how the backs are reacting to all of that. Never less how they're doing in pass pro situations that they're put in. So how, how has that, this affected the backs? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely made the evaluation of the backs a little bit more cleaner. I think the cool thing, uh, let's start with Gibson. I think he's looked like a guy who's running with a little bit more forward lean. You know, he kind of had that very distinct, more upright, kind of Eddie George-esque running style. There's been a couple times where he's been down, he's been low, he's been kind of not sifting through, but kind of you know, battering, ramming his way through and behind his pads, which is great to see because I think that was one of the weaker parts of his game. Obviously very explosive. Hasn't gotten in space as much as you'd like. Um, You know, I think they did an empty period uh, on Monday, which was the first day without pads, but they were motioning him around to the receiver spots, which is great. And again, he's not like this crazy twitched up route runner but he is a great space player so it's nice to see that they're using him in that way uh mckissick man because they've they started doing uh when the pads come on they start doing one-on-one routes with the linebackers and it's just great to see that skill set you know it's great to see him in pass protection gibson in pass protection has been very uh consistent as well which is awesome and i i think um you know both those guys are just true pros mckissick had an excellent run a couple days ago it was like a counter so they you know or a power counter however you want to call it but down blocks on the front side, puller comes around, mm-hmm. second puller comes around, there's a gaping hole, and obviously he's very, very fast. Yo, we got a seal here, we got a seal there, and boom, we got an alley. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and is able to kind of burst through, and it looked like he was untouched, I want to say, for about 20 yards, you know, so that's that's a big deal in, in the NFL to have an untouched run. And then Brian Robinson, I think, has done a really nice job, and the thing I like about watching him run is his vision and the way he sets up blocks and the way he's able to find creases is great. Like, there was uh, one where uh, Cole Turner got beat a little bit inside penetration, not not a bad loss, but a loss, and he was able to kind of hold the block for Cole Turner for a second, jump cut inside, kind of head fake to one direction to get the linebacker to move, and then dive into a crease, uh, 
you know, for a five yard gain, which is very, very high level stuff and just shows a nice instinctive runner. Also, the thing you get to see in pads is they're thudding up the backs a little bit, nothing overly physical, but his balance has been great. Like there's a whole bunch of guys hanging on him. He's in a pile. There's a whole bunch of people on his feet and he's not falling over. He's keeping his balance. And um, again, those are all very positive signs moving forward. He had a rough rep in pass protection the other day, but I'd say on the whole, been very consistent in that department so I think that group is kind of being as advertised and especially with the offensive line playing well over these last two padded practices for McKissick do you anticipate them moving him around a good bit because last year you know obviously the idea was to move Curtis Samuel everywhere and then they used McKissick in some non-back you know situation they split him out occasionally put him in the slot occasionally do some of that stuff but it wasn't like, hey, if Curtis is down, we just put JD in his spot because he is capable, at least from a knowledge standpoint, of doing a lot of that stuff, it would seem like. But it, it, like, is that something that you anticipate more with all the versatility they have with Dotson, McLaren, and Samuel to play all three spots, McKissick to be able to line up out wide and in back? Like, What have you seen in terms of moving JD around for all the talk that we've you know, had about moving Curtis around? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see more of that. I think, you know, he had a route a couple of days ago on Khalid Hudson where he run, he's running like a, I call it a Zorro route. That's what they called it in Kyle's offense where it's you run up, you, you kind of sit down, and you kind of do a double stick and can go in or out. And he set Kalik up in a really nice way. And, and he just, he's got a very unique skill set for running kind of those choice options, those Zorro routes. And so I'd like to see him in more one-on-one situations because I do think he's a mismatch. And you know, ultimately, that's what the game's about. And that's why I think he's very valuable as a, as a player is because he creates matchups. And because he's a running back, he, di- he dictates a certain response by the defense. Like, you're never going to get, you know, if it's, it's 11 personnel and he's playing the running back position, like, they're going to stay in nickel, right? They're not going to match in dime necessarily to him. And so then if you were to motion him out, like, you're going to get a matchup one-on-one with a linebacker. And I think that's a win for the Washington football team. And I think if you can find matchups like that, you know, Cole Turner's another guy over the last couple of days who's shown the ability to win in matchup situations. That's what the NFL is now. Finding guys who can win one-on-ones, beat man coverage consistently, right? Like 80% of the time. And so as camp goes on, you're seeing guys starting to, to give themselves testimony saying, I can do that. And JD's always been able to do that, but I'd like to see them kind of really lean into that. Because one of the things, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about Carson here in a little bit, but like Carson's been holding the ball a little bit too long, I think. And it's been affecting the offensive line. It's been allowing rushes to get there and stuff like that. And an easy way to mitigate that is just give him easy wins. And one of the easy ways to do that is say, hey, like that's, that's what we had Jordan read on the podcast. And one of the things about yeah. Jordan that was great for a quarterback was that you line him up and he's going to win. And mm-hmm. so it's not like I need to look at all this coverage and you do it. Like I know that's a win. And like when you watch Dak Prescott in Dallas, like he throws routes knowing guys are going to win. So finding guys who can do that, I think Jahan has that skill set as well, is, is, a, is, is extremely important. Yeah, definitely. I also remember. You know, it, it's funny just to you bring up Jordan because I remember when Jordan would be hurt sometimes, Jay and, and Sean, when he was here and, and was involved with that, Kevin, like that staff that evolved over the years. But really, I mean, Jay, Jay at the center of it would put Chris Thompson out there. Like if you have these three by one right. sets, you have like trips left and, and a single uh, receiver on the right, except for the receiver on a third down situation where you're trying to dictate matchups and, and trying to give your quarterback one information based off who goes out there. And two, hopefully you see man coverage and some against some kind of blitz and who cares about the blitz? You got Jordan Reed one on one. That's an instant win. Well, when Jordan's hurt, who, who do you use to get that instant win? 
and it was Chris Thompson. And you got the same exact effect of because he's not a wide receiver, you have certain information that you're going to get based off of whether a corner's out there, then probably tells you it's zone, uh, unless they're just giving him that respect. But safety linebacker follows out there, and, and you kind of know. And Chris was such a good route runner as a running back that it had that same effect. And that's the kind of thing I would love to see them do with McKissick that you can't necessarily do with Samuel as great as Samuel is at what he does. He doesn't give you all that same information, especially in those key types of situations that a JD McKissick, or even when he's healthy again, a Logan Thomas or a Colt Turner, John Bates, when he gets back out there that those guys give you. I think that's a great point. I think when you look at the LA Rams are, are a great example of this. And one of the reasons they've been successful with Matthew Stafford is they give him on third down very unique personnel packages. And one of the things they do is they'll put a tight end out to formation left by himself and they'll have all their three stud wide receivers to the right. And the defense can't run, they can't disguise disguise coverages versus those looks, right? So that's to your point. I think if you can get a player who's not a receiver running back, you know, like McKissick, Cole Turner, Logan Thomas, um, out in space, the defense has to kind of have a very specific response. And a thing about practice that came up, and this just reminded me of it, is that showed up a couple of times yesterday. Like uh, Scott's starting to employ things like that. So he has three wide receivers, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, um, Terry McLaurin, and then the ball's right in the middle. So Terry's in like the closest to the football, which is unusual having your X receiver right there. And then to the other side, it's Cole Turner and McKissick. And the defense can't disguise coverages. And even if they do, even if they want to, and even if they're playing zone, you're going to get that middle linebacker to push over to the speed, right, to your talented players. And so you get all this space to Cole Turner and McKissick, and Cole Turner runs a seam, and there's where that little middle linebacker should be. There's a huge void, and it's an easy completion. So I love that Scott is starting to kind of push into that kind of game plan philosophy, use his personnel, use McKissick. Again, there was another time in the red zone where he motions him out to to the outside he gets to run a quick slant with a pick by cam sims and it's stealing it's stealing because the linebacker can't hang the safety can't hang out i forget who was on him especially with the pick and he's a good enough receiver to make that happen you know yesterday's another great example they started off in like wing left so tight end so y tight end f kind of attached to the formation they motion out they switch the y to the other side and they bump cole out in isolation and he gets to run a slant on a corner but Ever says, well, that's not a good matchup for the offense, but it tells the quarterback what the coverage is right now. And I think that's really advantageous. So it's good to see Scott kind of pushing the envelope there. It's good to see him using guys like McKissick, guys like Cole. And I think that's something, again, if you're a fan of football and a fan of the way the NFL is going, it's good to see Scott doing that because he wasn't really doing that with the same kind of verve early in training camp. And so it's nice to see a little bit of mix-up now. Yeah, I'm sure if, if someone is really bored and they want to do like a Twitter advanced search uh, for my old, like through my timeline for old uh, Tape Tuesday clips on Twitter, uh, I'm sure you could find some examples somewhere of Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson. Or if you just want to go back and look for stuff on tape. Like as Jay used to do that too with those guys. You know, you'd have three wide receivers to one side and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're five wide except for on one side of the formation is a tight end and a running back. And when those two right. guys have the skill set to run routes like wide receivers, like that's that's a damn near impossible matchup for uh for a defense. I, you know. For a defense. And whether it's zone, whether you're, it's man, you're in a person- whatever, like you can't disguise. You're just going to be there. Because, like, you can try, but then you're a step behind. And you're you're right. dead against guys who are that quick, that fast, and run routes that well. And sometimes you get, 
easy responses by defense, right? You know, defenses usually will check out of pressures versus empty. And especially then, like with the kind of that weird coverage shell, they might even check to like a softer zone, which helps, again, helps the quarterback, helps the offense dictate to the defense. And I think that's something that is, is exciting. And, and you have the, you know, we were talking about DJ McKissick, like he he has the skill set to do that, you know, and it's nice that there's other people starting to emerge who also have that skill set. So that's that's very encouraging as well. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig. He's Logan. Uh, so you mentioned Scott starting to implement more, and that was a big concern for you earlier on in camp. It was like, yeah. hey, hey, Scott, like we've started. When are yeah. we going to start to ramp it up? And, you know, it's, it's all part of a plan. There, there's certainly a lot of thought that goes into when you start doing more of that kind of stuff, and we are not privy to that plan. So for all we know, they are perfectly on their schedule. But now that it is happening, what has that done for the offense to have more answers, and especially for Carson Wentz? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Carson, uh, you know, has struggled a little bit. His struggles remain like he's uh, I think he's holding the ball a little bit too long. He's been a little bit inaccurate. I think the past since the pads have been on, it's been better. And it's and there's I don't know what it is. So uh, what was that? Two days ago, the first day of pads, they did seven on seven. And I don't think he missed a throw. Perfectly accurate. And usually they do they do nine on nine, which is uh, you have your normal seven on seven structure, but you have three offensive linemen in there that are working some type of rush game or whatever, and it just kind of helps with the vision. And when that happens and there's a rush there, you see him get like unsettled. I know we've talked about this before, but it is it's something that kind of keeps coming up, right? So as much as Scott's done something different, I will say Taylor Heineke's looked very consistent. You know, he's made some nice. Push, pushing the football down the field. I feel like he's got a better mastery of the offense at this point. Um, but you'd like to see kind of Carson take what he's doing in 7-on-7, seven seven, which is great, and apply it to the team stuff a little bit more, right? Kind of like the way he was during an OTA. So as much as I want to be critical of Scott, and I think that comes from like, you know, I coach high school football, and I'm always like, what can I do more to put my guys in better situations to be successful? Right. But ultimately, like, you need the guy to do something for you, you know, and as much as I want to be like Scott, like, come on, let's let's dial it up. I feel like when you watch Taylor, like, you see kind of, are there holes in the offense? Sure. But are there holes in every offense? Yes. And is the offense getting better? Yes. Is Carson still struggling? That's also true. So, you know, I think Carson needs to kind of do something different you know I don't know what that is exactly like I just like when he misses throws he's unsettled I feel like he's he's feeling the rush in a way that is isn't good so 
again, like we'll see, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks because like you know the offensive line looked really rough four days ago, and now they look like maybe this like not not the strength of the offense, but they look like a starting caliber group, even though they're missing some people still. So obviously things can change very quickly, and obviously there was a big catalyst for that in the pads. So what is the catalyst for Carson? I think is is the next question when it comes to you know like um, and I obviously I want you know Scott to support Carson as much as possible and, and kind of push himself outside the comfort zone a little bit and I think one way he could do that is kind of attack the middle of the field and make sure the timing is a little bit better for him so he doesn't have to hold the ball super long but I also feel like he's holding the ball long time on short stuff too so what what the answer is there I'm, I'm not sure how much of this is the kind of stuff that you watched on tape versus because like so you, i hear that he's unsettled right and i'm excited to get eyes on him yeah. i'm going to be out of practice tomorrow i'll get to see a little bit yeah. more for myself and we'll have thoughts on that obviously on the radio tomorrow and then, and then here on monday but how much of this is similar to the kind of stuff that you saw on tape versus maybe some of that unsettled unsettlement is that i don't think that's the word i'm looking for uh, i don't know if that's his, a word, his but... unsettled it sounds like people were like housed somewhere and then they had to move they're unsettled <laughs> uh, and they were by the way they were pilgrims um but there, there, his unsettled nature is from a lack of confidence yeah. in knowing the offense and the fact that it's still, even though he has had the off season, uh, we're now in you know the second week, of, almost on the third week of training camp, that he that he has that knowledge, but like it's still relatively new. So if he's not confident in his knowledge and, and comfort with the offense, that could certainly lead to indecision and looking unsettled. But this is also a guy that, for the eight millionth time, as Warren Sharp uh, has, has said uh, when he does his calculations, has been the most inaccurate quarterback in the NFL the last two years. And there's some serious mechanical uh, worries for, for folks who have that level of expertise and watch him. So how much of this is similar to the kind of stuff that you saw on tape in Indy and, and back in Philly versus potentially not being comfortable with this offense yet. And that could swing at any point when he has some kind of mental breakthrough from having enough reps under his belt. Well, I think it's, it is, it's multifactorial for sure. So like, let's just talk about in OTAs. He looked awesome. But again, like I think the defensive secondary wasn't quite as dialed in as they were now. Like they are really dialed in. And like, you know, everyone talks about Jahan and how productive he's been and that, that production's continued, but it's been a little bit more challenging to come by. And I credit the secondary a lot for that, right? They just understand Jahan. They understand um, kind of how to match concepts better. There's not like these open runners that the way there were in, uh, in OTAs. And, you know, occasionally Scott is able to scheme something up and put those guys in good positions. But I think that's, that's one element, right? So like the windows, these clear pictures aren't as clear as they once were, you know, in, in OTAs. And, and to be fair, like even when there are clear pictures, like there's sometimes an errant throw, which is part of it. And so that, that's, I think the, maybe the confusing part to me is he looks so good in OTAs, but when you watch the film, like the, of Indy, like this is kind of who he is, you know, he's a guy who gets unsettled. He tries to make plays. He plays a little off rhythm. And I think, uh, you're kind of, you, I was kind of hoping that he'd come here and they were able to kind of bring out the best of him. And during the OTAs, they were able to do that. But now it seems like he's kind of reverted back a little bit or regressed to kind of a guy who's a little nervous, a guy who's not throwing with the greatest mechanics in the world. And so, you know, I had this conversation with John Kime and it was like, you know, players don't really change. As much as you want them to change, they don't really change. And I think the thing that's frustrating for me about the lack of change is I thought, well, you know, even if he's still not super efficient with the football and he's, you know, missing throws and he's errant and he's throwing interceptions, because of his arm talent, there will be an opportunity to push the football down the field more and you'll get more big plays. So if you're getting, you know, a 
20% increase in interceptions, you're going to get a 20% increase in big plays, and the offense is going to be more effective on the whole because big plays are very very effective in terms of offensive production. But I think that's been the frustrating thing is that the big plays haven't come. You know what I mean? They're not, they haven't shown up yet. So that's the thing that is somewhat concerning for me is, you know, obviously there's still a lot of time in training camp. And when the rush is not there, like they did a two-minute drill on Saturday, and he looked like Mr. Efficient. You know, he was on it, he's dialed in, he's throwing the ball, da da and it's and it looks like excellent. Seven on seven, excellent. It's the, getting the team stuff, it just doesn't look quite as sharp. And so um, obviously it shows the importance of having a great protection package set up for him, having a great offensive line, because if he's getting unsettled by that, that that's a huge issue. It's a, it's a huge issue. All right, so now we get to a, a question that I've kind of wondered for years uh, in the NFL, and I feel like I've been talking about this for a decade. Uh, back when I was in college at Syracuse, like we did a lot of Jets talk uh, being in the state of New York, and like Mark Sanchez was like this when he was with New York. He was terrible for most of the game, and then get in two-minute, and he'd be awesome. And uh, I was just like, why don't they run more two-minute? Why can't they run a ton of two minute or like at least more tempo because he's clearly more comfortable there. And there's, I, I now, even with the extended understanding of football that I've gained from being a beat reporter and having conversations with you and, and folks uh, who have played in the league, like I understand why when you're at tempo defensively, you have to be simple. And so it's a much simpler right. equation for the quarterback. I also understand that there's factors of, you know, the clock and not wanting to like screw your defense of, you know, if, if two minute goes poorly and then you're three and out in 30 seconds, like that's, that's pretty rough on your defense. So I understand you can't realistically go tempo all the time in the way that like a college team could, you know, Chip Kelly, when he was, you know, at Oregon and what he's trying to do at your alma mater now at UCLA, like, cause they have a hundred person rosters. It's, it's, it's a different game. Um, and he tried it in the NFL, and, and it, it wore down pretty quick. But long wind-up to say if two-minute and things to, to kind of negate that pressure are where Carson is better, how much of that can they run safely in a game to try to put together some drives at key moments outside of the last two minutes of the half and last two minutes of the game and make sure that, that if that is his, his maximum success point, that they are there as often as possible? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think when you look at uh, practice yesterday, they did some hurry-up stuff, right? They're trying to kind of increase the tempo and kind of find different speeds to operate. And now that's a very common thing for every NFL offense I was a part of since 2014. So it's been kind of a trend in the NFL because it does. It does regulate defenses. And you mentioned two-minute. Like, hurry-up is different than two-minute, right? right? Two-minute is like you have select like let's say 10 plays most most teams do and it's you can just signal them easily and there's no huddle up there's no muddle huddle there's no really variation in protection it's very very simple and so that's one of the reasons that people can't run two minute all the time is because teams figure it out right they figure out what your two minute package is and you just can't execute that same speed all the time hurry up's a little bit different right you have code words that allow you to get to bigger swaths of your offense right so let's say i want to do power i want to run a power in two minutes, I can't run power because I don't have a code word for it. But in, in hurry up, I can do that. I can say, hey, offensive line, the code word for power is Tyson, right? Tyson, and then I just signal the receivers or whatever we're doing. And we're up, we're running power. And we can kind of take our time and we can regulate the defense that way. So I, I do think it's good that they're including that because a lot of teams um, had this conversation with Kyle. and Or I had this we had this conversation with Jay, actually. So not, not even anybody. 
And one of the things he said is that sometimes you just got to go play football, right? There's a, there's this there's this trend in coaching with Sean and Kyle and LaFleur and McDaniel to get you in the perfect play. And obviously that's very successful, and I think you need an element of that. But you can also regulate defenses and ensure success by just increasing the tempo of the thing. And that was Jay's thing, right? If like I wanted to go fast, like I get a, a, a dictated response to the defense. So I think that's something to keep an eye on, too, is how much do they do that? And how does Carson handle that? And if Carson likes it, I would expect them to be in it quite a bit. You know right. what I mean? I'd well, expect and, them to be in it a and lot. And the other thing that kind of actually ties together a lot of the conversation we've been having that's important to point out here is – Part of the reason you don't want to get stuck in that hurry up, part of that is not subbing because if you don't sub, the defense doesn't isn't guaranteed the right. opportunity to. Well, if you if your personnel grouping on the field is Dotson, McLaren, Samuel, McKissick, or Gibson, frankly, and Logan Thomas, right. like you've got a ton of versatility because Thomas can line up in line, uh, off the line, or out wide, uh, or in the slot, or like wide wide. All three of those receivers yep. can play all three spots. McKissick or Gibson, you know, obviously McKissick more than Gibson, can line up everywhere and also are effective runners. I think sometimes JD's running ability as a running back, because he is so good as a receiver, gets underrated, but he can run pretty much any running play and has had success with it. And so uh, Scott said that in his press the other right. day. He said that exact same thing. So, he, he was like, you know, we can spread these guys out. And run the football very effectively. So if you have that kind of versatility amongst your personnel, you don't have to sub in the way that that a traditional offensive substitution pattern would work to get to different formations, to create different matchups. And so that versatility actually would seem to be the kind of thing that could let you do her or be in hurry up a little bit more often. Because, again, at the end of the day, you're trying to get Carson and stuff that he likes. You're trying to make your quarterback as comfortable as possible. And for him specifically, what that is is not facing a heavy rush. Not that any quarterback particularly likes a heavy rush. No one's like, sweet, blitzes. Although Aaron Rodgers might. He's (laughs) he's nuts. Whatever hallucinogenic he took, you know, more quarterbacks might (laughs) try that out. Um, But he, you know, he... He just knows exactly where it's coming from, throws behind it with, with a, a borderline superhuman you know, knowledge. But for everybody else, they don't want to be facing rush. They don't want to be facing pressure. And so if they can mitigate that and still have variety, still have the ability to dictate, and still have most of your playbook open, that seems like one of the ways in which Scott can help Carson out. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, you mentioned the three-wide receiver package, but also like if you have Bates and Logan Thomas or Bates and Cole Turner, you might dictate a base defense response from the opposing defense. And then you get Logan Thomas matched up on a linebacker and that's outstanding. It kind of goes back to that conversation we were having earlier. So they do, in terms of offensive personnel, they do have a very nice kind of stable of people that would allow them to do many iterations of this hurry up. And I think uh, that that's an exciting proposition. And again, if you can kind of regulate defenses, find good matchups, get good concepts that al- allow you to be successful, I think that's outstanding. And um, it's just about finding what Carson feels good with. And, fi- and again, also like in addition to Carson, finding what the offensive line feels comfortable with too. Because, you know, they've been doing a lot of play action protections and uh, those play action protections are great and they seem to be holding up pretty good. But, you know, like... Can you do that? Can they sustain? Is that what they want their identity to be? Because a lot of the concepts that they're running are a little bit longer developing. And, you know, I, I feel like Carson's not seeing those really well. So maybe you do live in a hurry up kind of 
hybrid and, and that, that's kind of what you do and I think the other important variable here is knowing when to throw that in too like having your base offense available to you and then saying oh we're a little stagnant like let's get to hurry up and then that breeds some confidence in the offensive group that breeds some confidence in Carson and then I can get back to whatever I'm doing in terms of play action running the football and, and kind of balancing it that way so again it, it's, a, it's a sweet science in terms of being an OC and you got to balance a lot of variables because another thing you can do and especially with this team is you can regulate Per defensive personnel and play call with personnel right mm-hmm. we've talked about how you go light and you get a response but because of the personnel in this team right now you can go Bates, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner and then you can have them line up in like a spread formation and Logan Thomas, Cole Turner like if they're matching in base defense that's a mismatch for you you know and and most teams if you match in 13 personnel so three tight ends they run cover three so having that on the table and expanding those types of packages are other ways that's that scott could do this it doesn't just have to be tempo it can be other things so it'll be interesting to see as camp goes on how much they're exploring those other things we already talked about formationally what they're doing but maybe personnel is the next variable personnel hurry up whatever yeah it is. definitely going back quickly to the offensive line um you know, offensive linemen always want to run the ball, right? They'd rather you'd rather go forward than, than go backwards on a very simple go backwards, know, absolutely a very, very simple level. Just because you're in hurry up doesn't mean you can't run it. And in fact, in, in hurry up, like Correct. we're talking about, unlike two minute, because the clock itself is not actually what you're fighting. You're fighting, you know, complexity on defense and, and you know, and to an extent, fatigue on defense. If you can string together a couple first downs, sure. like. If you go quick and just fire it's off easier. the ball, like you can, you can run it a ton. Because here's the other thing with hurry up, and this is where it becomes a little risky with Carson and the inaccuracy. If you have an incompletion, you're hurry up screwed. Like you're not going to rush back to yes. the line it's off. Not, it's off, not a hurry. Yeah, it's not, not a hurry not up like, anymore. Incomplete. All right, everybody, back on the line. Like that's that's not really how no. that works. And so you have to be able to string together completions, even if they're easy completions, string together runs. And this is where a running game in hurry up is super effective. If you can fire off the ball, get downhill, pick up four or five yards, and then go do it again and just keep wearing on the defense, leaning on them. You get a little play action, dump off, you know, things like that. And then you start getting that rhythm. And then eventually you, you try to hit that shot play when you feel like you've worn them down a little bit. You get the right look, whatever it is that, that, that you just know, like, hey, it's time. Let's go for the big one. And so that that element is is the risk, if you will, with a hurry up is if Carson can't really be trusted with any particular throw, that's 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 not ideal. It's not ideal in any scenario, but you know that just kills your hurry up idea because an incompletion means it's pretty much dead. Right, and I think uh, again, like we've seen high level Carson here. Even we've seen high level Carson in OTAs, a guy who can do anything. And we've also seen a guy who's struggling a little bit. So I think that that's we got to hopefully over the next you know two weeks before the first preseason game or whatever we see Carson kind of normalize and reside somewhere in between like essentially a perfect OTA period and what he's doing now. So if he gets in the middle there, I think I think you're feeling pretty good about what you got at the quarterback spot. But he's got to show you in order to kind of quell some concerns for sure. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. Uh, let's wrap up uh, last few minutes here on the defense because they deserve their flowers uh, to borrow. They deserve it. Holy To God. borrow from my guy, Reese Waters. Um, secondary seems to be driving this in a lot of ways. Like they have cleaned it up so much on the back end um, that, that it's kind of bringing everything together. Obviously the defensive line is also playing really well. And maybe, maybe you could say it starts there because the pressure makes everything else easier. But, but that is kind of the point in a way is like, there's this very symbiotic relationship that it seems to have developed between the three levels that has elevated the play of everybody. One, 1000%. I couldn't have said any better myself. Like it's not like, I think people want to, Obviously, the secondary is much improved, just in terms of matching concepts, being where they're supposed to be, um, and just kind of playing more competitively. And it's not just them in isolation. Like, the rush has been outstanding, and so it is. Like, the whole defense is playing better and and more consistently. And, you know, there's guys like uh, Phil Darien, and everyone's kind of like, well, where's Phil Darien? He's been really quiet. Like, there was a play the other day, uh, for example, where he's running a pick stunt out of their Cinco package and is able to, like, perfectly take two offensive linemen and let John Allen run free to the quarterback. You know, and, like, he does that down in and down out. So just getting guys doing what they're supposed to do on the front end. The blitzers are doing a great job knowing when to add, knowing when not to add. Um, you know, there were, like, I saw the first bust yesterday in a while, but it was with the twos, you know what I mean? Guys just kind of getting confused or whatever, but the ones have been so sharp in that department. Uh, Cole's done, obviously, he's doing an excellent job getting people lined up and getting that communicated. That's been outstanding. And then, again, then you get back to the back end and, Bobby McCain deserves a ton of credit, man. The way he's communicating, the way he's passing stuff off has been really awesome. William Jackson III looks like a different player from the spring. And then Kendall Fuller has just kind of carried his consistent play, uh, you know, from OTAs, from minicamp into now, and, and looks to be improving, looks to be ascending. And has just done, like, every single day, like him and Terry are having wars. And I feel like he's coming out on top. And Terry's not a bad receiver by any stretch of the <laughs> no. imagination. So, excellent job. And then Benjamin St. Juiced, you know, like... A guy that has done a great job, and now there. This is this is the question with the defense. As much as we want to compliment them, you know, like everyone's talking about the linebackers and what they're going to do. So one of the reasons on whatever the first day of pads was Monday, Tuesday, they they struggled a little bit was because they're in Cinco and in Cinco with nickel they have the five down linemen, they have a linebacker, and then they have the nickel player as the other linebacker, who is Benjamin St. Juice in this look. And so Benjamin St. Juice is not like gung-ho to fit runs. Right. And so kind of establishing that to me is kind of the the outlying question that still remains. It's not like he did a bad job, but it's like you want somebody who's going to be a little bit more aggressive. Like Cam Crow does a really good job of it. Percy Butler has shown flashes, but he again, he's not like a guy who's going to like blow up a guard. He's a guy who's going to use his speed and beat you to the spot. If he doesn't beat you to the spot, he's very, very quiet. So who is that piece? You know, are, are they going to have to bump cam into that kind of nickel Buffalo nickel type spot and then find another person in the back end on those, on those early downs. And so that's something again, despite how well they're doing, I think that's still a question that needs to be answered. I'm debating asking Ron tomorrow how the relationship was left with Landon and cause, cause he's still available. 
Uh, and you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know. He responds super well to that, but I'm debating asking. I th- but I, I, I don't think, I don't think they need Landon. Yeah, is what I think. I think you have a guy in Cam Cruel who I think who has way more coverage ability. He's got way more upside. He's a physical football player. Yeah. All those things it, are it'd be purely for Buffalo right. Nickel. Like it'd be like, hey man, you're coming into right. this spot and, and to be the veteran that that you are. And you know, I just don't know where the relationship was left. And I, I honestly, I don't think Landon would be interested in that. But also, he doesn't have a job right, right now, so. Who knows? Um, speaking of potentially bringing guys in, uh, Ron said at the start of camp, we'll see how the linebacker position plays out, and if things are going all right through about a week, we'll, we'll probably be good, and if not, uh, then we'll consider bringing someone in. And some of the names are starting to come off the board too. Anthony Barr signs with the Cowboys yesterday, former Vikings linebacker. Um, and so, you know, it seems like there's been a little bit of mixed results, but mostly mostly good. I mean, the defense obviously overall is playing well. How how would you evaluate the linebackers uh, through the week? I think they've done a good job. You know, I think um, mixed results. I haven't heard anything mixed. Like, what's the mix, man? I mean, some some folks any... that have been out there. I mean, look, I trust your eye over a bunch of bunch of media folks. <laughs> I mean, and, and and I'm a media folk, so I haven't been out there. But uh, people people that work with with us or other you know media types saying like, oh, Jamin still you know, missing a bunch of stuff or his diagnosis isn't th- that great or he's playing slower than his speed, that kind of stuff. They might not know what they're looking at. They might be looking at, right. a, uh, you know, him actually fitting the backside of a run or something like that. And he's, he's slowing down to make sure he's where he's supposed to be. If he's in a cutback lane or whatever, like I don't, I don't have the yeah. tape in the way that you do, but um, you know, wh- I, that's why, I'm, I mean, that's why I'm I, asking, I, I, what have I, you seen from those guys? Yeah, I feel like they've done a good job. I mean, I think, um, I'm just trying to think. I don't think I've seen Jamin make it. I, I feel like he should be playing more, which is the thing that kind of sticks out to me. I'm like, well, you know, on first and second down, they've got, you know, if it's if they're matching base uh, to, to offense, like Mayo is the other linebacker on first and second down. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, what is exactly happening? But I think he's done a good job. He's shown up as a blitzer, in my opinion, just kind of navigating through the traffic. He does slow up before he gets to the quarterback because you don't want to touch the quarterback, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of practice stuff happening there. And with regards to fitting the runs, I want to see him take on more blocks, obviously. But, um, you know, he's kind of been where he's supposed to be. He got burned uh, two days ago. Uh, I don't know if it's burned, but, like, basically they, they ran, like, a wheel route and, like, a dig or a post, and he kind of dropped to the post. But it looked like he probably should have widened or matched the back on the other go. It would have been a touchdown. But, again, um, Carson didn't see it. He kind of got flustered and checked the ball down. It would have been a touchdown. Uh, so there's stuff like that that shows up with him. But, again, like everybody has days like that. Cole's been doing a nice job. Uh, but, again, sometimes get, gets lost in the wash like every linebacker does. So I think on the whole, like they, they're they not going to bring anybody in now because I think they're not, they haven't done anything to say we need anybody. Right. Um, so, but a definitely a, a developing storyline for sure, and something to keep an eye on. Because uh, again, like like I said, Jamin to me, a lot of the stuff that you need you have questions about, like that comes down to, like, can he take on blocks? Can he tackle? We're not tackling now, so you don't know until the first preseason game. And I think at that point, it might be too late to be making signings like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Next preseason game is coming up, or the first preseason game, I should say, is on the 13th. So nine days from now as we record. And of course, uh, as we said, between now and then, we will have plenty more podcast content for you, including Nikki Javala and our chat with Ryan Kerrigan, uh, which will either be out as a bonus podcast tomorrow or Saturday, or we will put it in Monday's pod. So what what should people do, Logan, to make sure they get it as soon as as soon as it's available? 
I think they should subscribe or follow or whatever the heck they do on this platform. Yeah, whichever one you're on. I mean, in <laughs> Apple Podcasts, it's subscribe. In Spotify, it's follow. So you, you might have been like, Logan, right. you sound like a big out-of-touch technological doofus. <laughs> but in fact, in fact, it's he different, was correct. Came <laughs> For the first correct. time on this podcast. Well, on the technology stuff. On the football stuff. That's why you're here. On the technology stuff. Uh, yeah, we're here for football. You can follow Logan on Instagram. Get more football at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Follow me at Hoffman Show. I'll see you all on the radio, and we'll see you with Kerrigan uh, tomorrow, Monday, uh, whenever we decide. So subscribe.